Welcome to the Personalized Medicine Podcast. This is the place where scientists, clinicians, and entrepreneurs discuss the progress of this rapidly developing field. Let's start. It is my pleasure to introduce our guest for today's episode, Daniela Bezdan, Chief Scientific Officer at UD Gravity, the one-stop shop to bring your experiment or anything else to microgravity. Yuri has had more than 11 missions in 2021 to the International Space Station. At Yuri, Daniela leads the innovation of new products for ISS and use microgravity to enhance products for healthcare. She is also the head of innovation and co-founder of Poppy, which is the first commercially available pathogen sensing and detection network that helps protect the places where we work, live and visit by monitoring both air and services for the COVID-19 virus and thousands of other known pathogens. Daniela has multiple degrees spanning from biotechnology engineering to genomics and bioinformatics from reputed institutions around the globe such as the Max Planck Institute, EMBL, and Wild Cornell Medicine. In addition, she is also the co-chair at several space-associated organizations such as ISSOP, ESA Space Omics, and NASA Gene Labs that foster international cooperation and support educational citizen science projects. She is currently the second stage at the ESA Astronaut 2000. 21-22 selection. She's one of the 23,000 applicants from Europe and among the top 4% of all the candidates. Daniela has worked on pioneering research in the field of biotechnology and space and has authored many publications in leading scientific journals such as Science, Cell. For more details, please refer to our show notes. Welcome to the Personalized Medicine Podcast, Daniela. I look forward to hearing all about Yuri and Poppy from you. So, I would like to start with your story. Can you please tell us that what got you so interested in biotechnology and precision medicine in the first place? And specifically, you know, what triggered you to look at them in the light of microgravity? Thank you for having me. Like, like precision medicine always has been fascinating me. I think like that um, the human body is uh, reacting to stress in any different kind of way. And usually on Earth, we have like all these different influences from environment and uh, they're changing so fast, right? Even if we're analyzing identical twins, we usually have like an insight and summary of what happens to them in their life. And sometimes you would love to put one of these humans in a container and study them and control their, their nutrition intakes, control the temperature, etc. And uh, one of the things which when I've been working in different organizations like the EM Berlin Heidelberg or Max Planck Institute in Germany or Kyoto University in Japan, always I'm feeling like this metadata is, is influencing any kind of data. When we have the first time getting the, the access to, to working with identical twins on the ISS space station, where one of the twins would be on the ISS space station for more than a year. And we could do 
a lot of experiments before the flights, during the flights, and after the flights, and compare this to uh, his identical twin on Earth. It was just mind blowing that suddenly we can um, had the chance to normalize out some effects because we have a completely control about what they're breathing. We have a completely control what the one twin in the space station is eating and the temperature and having uh, actually also the budget to do any kind of experiments you can just imagine uh, on a human body. So I think this is something which was maybe the most challenging and rewarding step in my interest of precision medicine. That's really interesting. So um, you are the chief scientific officer at URI Gravity. So what is URI Gravity and what does it do? So URI Gravity, uh, I just joined four weeks ago and uh, it's uh, pretty amazing. So it's a German space company. Uh, which have a goal to democratize uh, microgravity for research purposes. And uh, later, of course, for interest in commercializing our pharmacy um, and precision medicine. Um, this means in, in, in general, like in a, in a nutshell, we help scientists to conduct their experiment in microgravity um, and, for example, helping them access to ISS space station, but also with other products, for example, simulated gravity on Earth using random position machines or parable flights or even like short-term orbit um, access. And um, in general, you agree what, what I really... Um, give me confidence is that they're like more than 30 years experience uh, in that area it's have been uh, most of the, the the employees here and the founders come from Airbus and uh, very pretty they're pretty much successful already they have like more than 11 successful ISS missions and uh, getting like having bringing in old experience from a corporate company and just growing really fast it's, it's very exciting to work here. I'm sure it is. I'm sure. Uh, so what kind of services are generally offered by Rui Gravity, specifically in terms of life science experiments? So and in general, like we um, have not so many limits because we can adjust and customize any experiments pretty well. So in, in our general goal is to bring science to microgravity the quickest in the most cheapest way possible. Um, for example, um, we can use um, we can we can start with like little experiments, uh, as I said before, on random position machine with uh, sympathetic gravity um, or two D clinostat. But then we can go to parable flights. And what is really interesting is that um, with each experiment um, we can offer an end to end service. So whatever the customer needs, we can provide from beginning to the end because we know that there is not only the technical issue and the problem or the biotechnology problems, but there's also regulation problems and actually access to these all regulation processes. So I have been working uh, now years with uh, NASA and ESA in regulation on admission um, documentations, et cetera. And it, it, it's, it's a thing. And just to actually let the scientists in this world concentrate on their problems, which they actually can control, and let us do all the other part. 
like the technical requirements and the documentation, etc., and, and, and the IRBs and all the necessary paperwork. And I think that is a great offer we can can not only help actually particular scientists, but general the scientific community, give them easier and cheaper access to microgravity research. So, Daniela, you mentioned about the different services that are offered by Yuri Gravity, especially in the life science area. Can you walk us through some of the examples of experiments pertaining to the biotechnology and the personalized medicine that Yuri Gravity is currently working on? Yes, uh, I would love to. Um, we have different missions these days and we're preparing future ones. Um, for example, um, we have the mission Cell Box 1, uh, which is immunocells flights, and where we actually um, um, in the, um, researching the suppress of human immunosystems in microgravity. And then we have uh, another mission we call Cell Box 2, uh, where we're actually analyzing tumor cells, the gravity effects on the tumor cells. Um, very interesting is um, also like different uh, plant studies, for example, V3PO missions, um, where plants normally grow from seed, but um, we can also cultivate them, um, cutting taken from branches. So we see how that would work in space. And there's several other uh, missions which were exciting. It, it, for me personal, I'm very excited about um, research on organoids um, because in space we have um, we have different advantages. Uh, we don't have shear forces. Uh, we don't have fluid pressure. Um, we can really grow organoids in three D uh, organoids, and therefore. It's a kind of a more in vivo um, environment. That means um, drug discovery would be more efficient. And um, that's why I'm personally very excited. And it's definitely going precision and personalized medicine in the future. That's, that's really very interesting to know because, I mean, you're trying to simulate what exactly happens in a, in a real situation rather than um, having, you know, cells being growing on uh, Petri dishes or plates. And that's very interesting. So, Daniela, usually, you know, a lot of people have, um, they need to kind of take care of a lot of factors when even when you're trying to, you know, uh, design experiments or especially with cells and all on the planet Earth. What are the basic factors or what are the key factors that need to be kept in mind when, you know, such experiments are being designed for space? That is a very good question, excellent question, actually. So, um, as an as a like again, as a scientist, I didn't thought about these things. But in space, things are working different. Fluids are different. We don't have convection, for example, right? So, um, in since we don't have convection, we don't have difference between uh, density of fluids, for example. Um, Actually, the other one which is an advantage, you can mix every non-mixable um, fluid with each other, which is one advantage. The other advantage is you have like difficulty with gas exchange. Um, for example, um, when you are like breathing out on air, like carbon dioxide, you carbon dioxide will fall due to gravity to earth. So you're always, always surrounded by fresh air. 
But in space, it's different. If an astronaut is breathing out carbon dioxide, it tends to stick on their head, on their surfaces, around the head. And they actually experience hypotoxia. So they actually having oxygen issues if they're not in a well-ventilated place. So this, of course, you have to think about not only about like human and astronaut, but also about the experiments. Um, another thing is um, on the more on the technical side is that um, you have to be, think about if you bring experiments to a space station, for example, you have to think about uh, that not every substance is allowed to be in a condemned space. Because um, if something happens, you can't just open the window and let fresh air in. So, um, so for example, simple simple liquids like ethanol is a no-go on the ISS space station. Um, there's many different things you need help to guide you through, and that's exactly what we're doing at URI. And we also give uh, this help also from any of my other affiliations. Um, I'm co-chair at NASA Gene Labs, where I love to help um, with um, experiments that already have been done. We're having databases there. Then I'm also co-chair of ISSOP. It's an international standards of space omics procedure, where I help you with kind of standards you're using and what you have to do that you can compare your experiments with previous experiments. Standardization is a big thing. And um, also, like, um, I'm also um, coordinator and uh, Topical team member of the ESA Space Omics um, topical team, um, where we can also help you with guidelines, especially if you want to fly with ESA associated vehicles. So there's a lot of help there, and there's so many bottlenecks and and and, and, and uh, what you have what you're going to experience. So please make sure that you reach out for help as early as you can. That's wonderful. I mean, I'm sure like after our interview today, you will have a lot of emails with a lot of candidates seeking for help. You mentioned about the space missions and like how about the ISS space mission and all. Can you tell us something about the space missions that URI Gravity in particular has been a part of and any upcoming ones that we should be on the lookout for? So I mentioned before, until now, space missions from URI. There have been additional space missions that I've been working on in the past, where like the NASA twin study, or we're doing pathogen surveillance on the SS space station, um, and um, different other projects. Uh, for example, we are able to sequence on the ISS space station, um, the biomedical sequencer project, which is pretty exciting that you these days don't need to bring down experiments, but you can actually analyze them in space. So I like to follow up with these monitoring ideas. So in the future, I don't want to only give um, researchers the access to do any kind of experiments in space, including any kind of cell culture, tissues, um, and um, flares, organites. But I also want to give them the access to monitor the experiments, um, hopefully in real time. So that is um, something which I'm really excited about, and that's definitely going to happen we are doing this show for you and your feedback is very important for us. So if you have any suggestions or comments or would like to recommend a guest, please write us an email to team at pmedcast.com. You can also reach us on LinkedIn, Twitter or Facebook. Just type in Personalized Medicine Podcast and you will find us there.
To catch our next episode, subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Please rate us there and leave a comment. This helps us make this show better and reach more people interested in personalized medicine. And now, let's get back to the interview. That's amazing. So, Daniela, um, you are also a co-founder of another life science company known as Poppy. Can you tell us more about it and what is it about and what does it do? Yes, uh, Poppy is completely something completely different. Um, it's um, since maybe not people many knows. I'm I haven't been only working on space biology, but I'm also have been on working on pathogens surveillance since 2015. So when the pandemic hit, um, I have been an expert in pathogen transmissions since day one. And I have been working on several affiliations. One of them have in Tübingen, University of Tübingen, and the Institute of Virology, and uh, working still today in the COVID-19 task force, and decoy to actually sequence the different variants of SARS-CoV-2 and analyze them and track them in the world. So if all the knowledge uh, from these previous experiments And uh, my first experiments at Metasap. Um, the Metasap is one of the biggest microbiome consortium in the world, where in 120 cities and uh, more than 24 countries, um, we are actually tracking pathogen in mass transport systems, all of them, using next-generation sequence technologies. So just combining these two experiments, we found Poppy in the beginning of um, 2020 actually a little bit before the pandemic. And what we're trying to do is doing offering pathogen surveillance surfaces in on surfaces and also in air. And at Poppy, we basically make the invisible visible and uh, also develop a device, hardware device, which actually can test the air for not only SARS-CoV-2, but for, um, I think these days, to test pathogens. That's amazing. That's really very nice. So, uh, as you mentioned, Poppy was founded much more, uh, much earlier than uh, when it was actually required. Like so, in the the whole uh, COVID pandemic, I think this was one of the biggest advantages. You know, if we could find out about uh, how uh, the existence of such microbes in us in your surroundings. Yes, uh, I think from time-wise, it was uh, really lucky. Uh, it was really came to the right time, the right point. We, we, we just finished so many studies before the pandemic happened about pathogen surveillance and pathogen transmissions. So um, in, in, in an odd way, we were kind of prepared when it started. Definitely. Definitely. So uh, what is the range of Poppy, not only in terms of its detection area, but, you know, also in terms of its, its pathogen, pathogen landscape? Well, uh, Poppy have different, uh, um, um, different products. Um, one of them, of course, is the pathogen surveillance, um, detecting pathogens in public space, uh, in, in office, for example, or on, on, on ships these days. And, um, but also, um, we can, of course, do SARS-CoV uh, surveillance. Um, but the other one which I'm particularly excited is about that we actually can test the airflow in, in, an, in a room or, uh, for example, in a concert hall. 
and um, because we can actually release artificial um, molecules into the air, uh, which are non-toxic, um, and detect which molecule we detect first on our devices so we can give actually the customer a really good insight how effective the ventilation system is in their room and where actually where the weak points are. And that I think is very exciting. So the sensitivity of our system is superb. Amazing. I'm sure a lot of people would be like, even if, if it's available on the market, a lot of people will go today and buy it and install it in their homes, offices and other spaces. Where can we find uh, Poppy? Um, just please uh, Google poppy.com and um, you will find all the information there. The same for yuregravity.com. Um, you will find all information about missions and help. And um, you're always able also just to contact me directly or one of my email addresses at uh, daniela.betstan at yuregravity.com or dani at poppy.com. I'm always over my LinkedIn page where I try to answer every message within a week. That's wonderful. That is wonderful. I'm sure you'll be getting a lot of messages by the end of this interview for sure. So, Daniela, you know, you're managing Yuri Gravity, you were involved in Poppy and a, lo a lot of other organizations. So, uh, my question to you is, what has been like the biggest challenge in this whole journey to from an idea to developing a full, fully-fledged startup? Uh, I think the excitement to do it all. Um, the thing is that I don't know my how other brains work but my brains is constantly producing ideas and uh, it's like when you're thinking faster than you can speak and for me it's producing faster than i can write patterns so actually the prioritization is sometimes challenging because what i think is super cool maybe the market is not ready yet so um that's something like one of my biggest challenging to actually start a startup to prioritize and really listen what the market needs at that very moment that's for sure one of the biggest challenges that that's really important i mean and very well said so um what is your outlook on the future like which three major developments would you like to see happening in the field of personalized medicine over the next 10 years oh that's such a good question oh my god now i'm my brain is firing um i would I would love to minimize uh, precision medicine and make it more point of care um, approach. So, for example, I'm, I'm one of the most beautiful things in a Metasa project um, where we actually um, sequencing mass transfer systems. At that time, we wanted to give every country and every city the access to the same um service and the same access to the, the consortium the same way so none of these companies and none of these countries had to pay for anything they're still all equal on the publication which have been published itself and everybody get the same access to sequence the same access to material regardless of the income and i really like that approach to give very every country um access to science and precision medicines it's my deepest wish that everyone in the world have access to precision medicine so you can tell like personal medicine and one way to do it is to miniaturize um not only from the cost side but also miniaturize the um the technology 
um, concentrate more on point of care um, approaches so that we can distribute it easily to every corner in the world so that um, cancer patients who actually can't travel or like our samples would be degraded on a way that they have like actually on the bedside some, some access to precision medicine. Uh, that is one part. Um, maybe this part is just getting so dominant in right now because I have been working a lot with sample preservation and sample transportation these days and the logistics behind it. Never underestimate the logistics. Um, so I think like the first of the magic development would be um, developing more point-of-care tests for precision medicine. The second one is uh, standardization. Um, that's maybe one of my major, yeah, this is one of my major motivation to start um, together with my colleagues ISSOP, International Standard for Space Omics Procedure, because uh, there's like, we have access on, on 11 years of research on the ISS space station. But what's really frustrating is that we can't compare the experiment with each other because they didn't use standards. And what I really would like to do in precision medicine that we're all using standards. So I can actually compare a gene expression profile from one patient to the other because there is somehow a common factor which I can compare to. Or at least give them regulations and, and recommendations how to actually um, at uh, how they actually fill out these metadata information. And the third one is actually political. Um, there's a lot of um, there's, there's a lot of issue, a lot of bottlenecks when you're coming down with professional medicine and humans in um, private data. I understand the private data and I understand the need of ethical boards. And um, sometimes it's very challenging for scientists that the ethical board decide that we can't get any additional information to a sample, not even the sex, you know, or the age is sometimes an issue. And I think we have to find ways um, to, to actually protect patients' genomic information and identity, but still be able to work with their metadata like uh, crucial information about previous health conditions um, um, age for example so i think like these three major developments i would hope in precision medicine that could change that's amazing yeah i hope we get to see a lot of them in the couple, next coming years and uh, great so, uh, Daniela, I asked you this before also, before we started, um, with so many feathers in your hat, you know, with Yuri Gravity, Poppy, associations with NASA, with pathogen, uh, like databases and all, what keeps you motivated each day? And, you know, how do you manage your time? To me, it seems that you have probably 48 hours in a day. <laughs> this question I get asked a lot. Um, I think, uh, I think first or more, more like I, I just need four hours sleep. Um, it's kind of a inherited superpower. Um, my, my my dad and my sister same. So four hours sleeps were still very active, and uh, I think they just have a little bit more hours a day. The other one, what's motivating, is just that from the beginning. I love what I'm doing. I never consider any of this as a burden, and every ch every every bottleneck is a challenge and welcome challenge most of the time. 
And um, I think from my background, where I come from, so I'm a child of a refugee and immigrant. So for me, I, until I'm 19, I didn't have a German passport, but living in Germany. And for me, just the wish going once in my life to the university and able to learn was such a big obstacle. It was just so impossible for me that I will be able to finish my school and stay in the country long enough that I can actually enter university and actually have the funds for it, right? So for me, learning and being able to work in my dream job is so fulfilling that I just, just humble and thankful that I'm actually able to work in areas which I love. So never felt like um, a challenge to me, just an opportunity. That's great. I'm sure, Daniela, your journey has been so inspiring for all the listeners out there. And especially our women uh, listeners, rather. And so what one piece of advice, you know, would you like to give um, aspiring women scientists and entrepreneurs, you know, who are thinking of starting their own company or getting associated with different organizations and like what one piece of advice you would like to give them and that you thought, you know, if, if it would have been given to you at an earlier stage, it would have done wonders or, or you've been using it since your entire journey. Yeah, it's, it's very simple. Um, it's just be bold. Don't be afraid of mistakes. You don't go to do mistakes anyway. You can just learn from them and never give up ever. It's, it's kind of like you're going to be hard. It's going to be exhausting. But make this to being exhausted your strength. Just seeing like that it's, it's really part of the journey. And never be afraid to ask for help. There's a lot of people out there who would love to help, but just didn't aware that you need help. So this is something which is, I think, very difficult for women, especially for scientific women, to admit that they need help um, because they really want to be the strong woman. And um, for me, I particularly don't see myself as a woman entrepreneur. I see myself as an entrepreneur. That's it. I don't think I distinguish myself as a woman particularly. And I'm very lucky that I didn't have ever the feeling that there was a distinguish between a woman or a man entrepreneur. Um, but yes, I, I, I want to encourage everybody out there, man or woman, doesn't matter, to, to start a company. Currently, right now, there's a lot of money in the market. You, have to I, I just heard I've been on the JP Morgan conference at the beginning of the year. And this year it's 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 a fantastic year to start an, an entrepreneurial um idea. Um I could really encourage everyone for sure. I'm sure all the people are taking good note of it that the next thing they do is they start their entrepreneurial journey. Daniela, you did mention your contact details and how the interested people can reach out to you. Can you once again let our audience know where they can find you in case they would want to talk to you, ask you or, you know, set for helping them set some experiments related to space? Yes, of course. Um, you can always feel free to Google me. I have currently um, two affiliations and one association. So you can find me 
um, on internal part um, at uh, poppy.com or at uregravity.com. Uh, uregravity is space. Uh, poppy.com is um, uh, SARS-CoV-2 research. Um, then, of course, you can find me if you are not one to approach to me about you know, startups, entrepreneurial, but as a scientist, uh, there's still a big, big science heart in um, beating. So I'm still a research associate at the University of Tübingen in Germany, uh, where I can work in astronaut health precision medicine, and I'm there in the human genomics department. And uh, um, I'm surrounded by amazing scientists, and a very good genome center and institute. So where you can find a lot of overlap with precision medicine and personalized medicine, especially I'm working, I'm working together with the Department of Rare Disease and uh, Oncology, of course. So you can find me also there if you have a question more in that direction. If you have directions, uh, question in any of these associations that are affiliations with NASA and ESAR, you can find me at uh, NASA Gene Labs. Um, and uh, one of the chairs of the working groups there, or at uh, ESA Space Omics Topical Team, um, and at the consortium, I'm the co-chair for commercial space flight at the International Standards of Space Omics Procedure, and therefore you just Google ISSOP.space, and I will sure um, help you or... Um, help you with guidance and connections and networks to pursue um, space experiments together with ESA and NASA. Thank you so much, Daniela. Uh, I'm sure our audience has made good note of where all, what are the different ways they can reach out to you. And uh, from everyone here at Personalized Medicine Podcast, I would thank you very much for accepting our invitation and uh, coming here to talk to us. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being with us today on the Personalized Medicine Podcast. If you like this show and know someone who would enjoy it too, please share this podcast with them. And don't miss the next episode yourself. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. Please rate us there and leave a comment. That helps us to grow and deliver best experience to you. To access the show notes for this episode, visit our website, pmedcast.com. It's p-m-e-d-c-a-s-t.com. Our show notes include guest bios, links to their most notable work, and recommendations for additional reads on the topic of the episode. And if you have any feedback or would like to suggest a guest, write us an email to team at pmedcast.com or reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. Thank you very much, have a great day, and until next time.